Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Hi, and welcome back to To The Point Cybersecurity. I'm your host, Erica Pierce. And joining me, as always, is Eric Trexler. How you doing, Eric? Good morning, Erica. Good morning. So, Eric, I know you just got back from RSA in San Francisco, and uh, I, I heard that you could almost play a drinking game in terms of how much people were talking about AI and, and machine learning and cybersecurity. Is that is that true? Yeah, another year, another uh, set of topics. I actually was studying a... Um, 25 years of RSA, which goes up a, a study I saw that goes up through uh, 2015 by Wade Baker. And uh, he kind of studies the hype cycles, if you will. And AI machine learning has to be at the top at this point. It was cloud. It was the word cyber. But AI and machine learning have to be at the top. OK, well, that's what we're going to talk about this week. Um, I know we've talked about it a bit in the past, but um, what's interesting is that we do have a guest. We have Professor uh, Milos Manik, um, who is the professor of computer science and director of Virginia Commonwealth University, or VCU, as most of us know it, um, of their cybersecurity center. So thank you so much, Professor Manik, for joining us this week. A pleasure to be with you today. Well, and the reason why we invited you to join the podcast is because, um, as Eric said, you know, we hear a lot about AI, machine learning um, right now, especially in terms of uh, the cybersecurity industry and the opportunities that there are for these cutting edge um, technologies. But you and your team, you have actually developed um, a, uh, a solution called the Automatic Intelligent Cyber Sensor, um, in which my understanding, you've, you've developed it with Department of Energy, and it's being used to identify and divert hackers and also deploy virtual decoys. So some fascinating work that you've, you've been doing. Correct. Thank you very much, Erica. Um, so it's, it's really a part of a larger suite of tools and techniques that we've been developing over the, um, say, decade or, or longer with uh, DOE and DHS. Um, AI has always been a part of, of, of this cyber game um, and, uh, you know, over time we realized that uh, there's only so much you can do with traditional techniques. Um, now, of course, we, we probably want to go back and define what really AI or machine learning mm -hmm. is in, in context of, of um, cybersecurity. Um, so when we talk about AI, uh, people think of movies, think, people think of autonomous vehicles, people think of many, many applications. Um, the bottom line is the ability to learn something. And the moment you give a machine the ability to learn, um, the immediate question is, can you control what has been learned and how it's going to get, how it's going to be used? So I'll stop there and, and uh, you'll probably have a next question coming. Well, so the, the difference between machine learning and AI is in machine learning, how would you characterize the difference? Let's go there. Well, uh, in in last 10 years, depending on a circle of people, uh, I've seen three, three terms. One is computational intelligence, another one is machine learning, and another one is AI. So AI has probably been the longest around. 
Um, machine learning may be second longest and computational intelligence the most probably recent. Computational intelligence includes all the techniques, the, the algorithms, and typically refers to neural networks, fuzzy logic, and genetic algorithms, evolutionary approaches. Machine learning incorporates many, many others. Um, and depending on whom you ask, it'll be support vector machines, it'll be even decision trees, so it'll go wider. AI, however, will probably include anything from human factors, from androids, from everyday uh, partners in, in life, if you will. So it'll be more overarching umbrella of all of the above. Okay, so so AI is really a catch-all for the subcategories underneath it. Yes. To some extent. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, seems so. And it's and, easy and it's, to pronounce, and, and, and it's been around longest, so people can relate to it. And it's very interchangeable, as we saw from RSA, and when we meet with customers and other vendors and competitors, you have to have AI in your, in your uh, marketing material, <laughs> regardless of how you apply it. It's interesting. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's it's the AI is the new black, right? <laughs> so well, it's been around for a long time. So so it's it may change what it means to people, but it's it's probably overwhelmingly becoming part of any kind of device, anything we as humans interact with. Um, the computer uh, is is getting many shapes and forms from embedded systems, from phones, from iPads to cars. So in that sense, AI is, is really all around from, from a basic printer next to you that's making decisions to maybe more important mission-critical control system in a, say, nuclear power plant. And so, Professor Manix, just on that same, um, you know, on that same note, so, you know, you're saying it's all around, it's being used in so many different contexts. So, you know, you obviously are working on a, um, you know, a, a solution that's using it to um, to prevent, to divert hackers. But are the hackers using AI as well? I mean, are we going to be moving into a, a space where it's actually AI versus AI, you know, the good guys versus the bad guys in con- in some ways? Right. So uh, this is the story as long as, as, as humanity. Um, recently, we heard comments from, you know, uh, Mellon Musk and Stephen Hawking and Larry Page from Google and Bill Gates. Um, they're all raising red flags how AI may be the biggest event in human history and it may play both the good role and bad role. But uh, a, a lot of people are concerned with this. But I will just um, go back to any technological advancement and as such, something that, that makes translational difference, it can um, be uh, end up in, in hands of, of bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so AI is no different than any other really technological invention. Um, it really depends how you use it on defensive or offensive side. Now, the other story here is um, in order to um, protect better your assets, you probably need to play both sides to do some probing and investigation to realize where the vulnerabilities are. 
So um, it's it's not bad to use it in offensive purposes if that strengthens strengthens um, um, your defensive capabilities. And do you see, um, you know, I know you're doing work um, in conjunction or in partnership with Department of Energy. And, you know, sometimes government isn't viewed as being, you know, cutting edge in terms of embracing, you know, new solutions, especially as it comes to, as it relates to technology. But um, do you see government in embracing um, AI machine learning in terms of its overall cyber strategy and, um, and cyber protection? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think it really depends w- what we are hearing and what is really happening. Um, I'm fully convinced that uh, government has embraced um, top-cutting, state-of-the-art technologies a long time ago. Um, they may not be publicly advertised on mm-hmm. through regular um, news outlets, uh, but uh, I, I do believe and, and uh, perhaps know that that uh, these techniques have been embraced uh, a long time ago. Now, uh, trying to deploy these techniques and and argue uh, the benefits of doing so, um, some some questions inevitably arise. And those are the the questions of trust. And I know this is one of the things that you probably wanted to uh, touch upon. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has nothing to do, again, with cybersecurity per se. It's it's a just um, a normal um, step in adopting technology that you cannot fully understand. And um, not that I'm trying to defend AI, but there are many other technologies that we use every day without necessarily knowing um, intrinsic parts of, of, of how it works, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we are not experts on, on rebuilding a transmission in, in a car, yet we drive it every day. Um, but the cars have been around for quite some time, and we do have some experience with those. And transmission doesn't really make so many important decisions as AI um, does. Uh, so this this is a whole new paradigm where human factors and 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 just a psychological step in in communicating and trusting something that is not human. Um, that's that's a big step that's that's ahead of us, and it's not going to be a small or short step, and it's probably going to take a long, long time. Um, but I think we are making some really interesting advances. At least the way. It's, it's interesting you talk about a car. You know, I, I look at like uh, autonomous driving. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're getting much more into, you know, auto, artificial intelligence where the car is actually taking information in and making some level of decisions, especially as you get to like level four. That's right. Which is a whole lot more advanced than how the transmission works or how the engine works and interfaces with the transmission. Once again, though, the human driver isn't an expert on the the capability, the intelligence capability of the car. Correct. Right? It, it's so advanced and mm-hmm. it can be very powerful. No, but it not can only also that. Be ca- it can also huh? be catastrophic, right, if something goes wrong. 
Yes, yes. Um, so not that human brain is not capable of, of making all these decisions. Um, the trick is human brain has not been developed in a way to accept such huge um, information uh, data influx that's coming from all these sensors in so and the many speed and everything, mm -hmm. right? Forms and fashions, right? So these are cameras that are taking really high res images. Um, the 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 car is talking to a grid and talking to to traffic lights and so on. Um, we we just don't. We are not capable of deal, dealing with so many data sources at the same time and processing them as well. However, uh, we are really good at making decisions that um, uh, that uh, are unfortunately still not easy to encode in an algorithm. Um, and that's where some of the aspects that, that differentiates us from, from humans, such as uh, ability to um, like something, to forget something, um, to hate something, if you will, um, these are these are the abilities that that makes us human. Now the big question is: Does this help or not help when it comes to quantifiable decisions? And I like to throw an example when I'm teaching AI class or, or talking to people about this. Say if you're in an autonomous car and autonomous car needs to make a, a tough decision, um, it needs to hurt someone just because there's. Uh, a, a mother pushing a, a cradle with a baby in it, and then there's elderly lady on the side, and then there's a couple of school kids on, on rollerblades, and, and there's just no way out. Um, you cannot save them all. What, what do you do? And, and people provide different answers to this. And um, now I'll ask you, what do you think the, the machine should do? I, I would be very bad to answer that because I guarantee it upset most of the audience. Right, right. So, so Erica, I, I'll defer to you on that one. So, so the the insurance agencies uh, have figured out a way to put a number to everything. There is a cost, right? Human life, uh, disease, um, a house, everything, right? So they will they will find some kind of a, a, a quantifiable number. Sometimes. Um, the decision will will not help the the ability to sell that car, right? Um, perhaps there is one life in a car, and then twenty others around the car. But you would never sell that car if if you would say, "Well, I will sacrifice one life for twenty others." Um, so so we have this emotional aspect about but doing something that machines don't and, mm -hmm. and finding the bridge between that because we cannot always look in terms of numbers, but we cannot look at decisions in terms of emotions either only. So some kind of mix will be something we need to figure out. And, and I don't have an answer to that, but, but we'll have to get to that point. It, it's interesting because I think as long as the driver isn't inebriated or distracted testing and driving or whatever, it, you know, if you accident, if you're following the laws, you're doing the speed limit and you're presented with those situations. In most cases, I believe a, a jury would probably understand that it's an accident. 
in the case of artificial intelligence, I guarantee there are lawsuits against the car mm -hmm. manufacturer and everybody else who had anything to do with the programmable logic that went into that, that artificial intelligence or that interface for the car because they made a decision not in the, in the, in the heat of the moment. Exactly. You know, I had to, I, I swerved, I did the best I could, mm -hmm. right? No, it was premeditated. It was thought about. We use the insurance company data to determine the lowest cost or the lowest risk or damage, whether it's individuals or whatever it may be. Uh, and it's it's interesting if you think about it on that plane almost. Yeah, but yet we still live in the um, mental age, so to speak, of machines where we are superior to those machines. Exactly. And, and that's where Google stats show that most of the accidents happen when a car driver, human car driver, assumes that the autonomous car is mm -hmm. not as smart as, as, <laughs> as, as human driver and starts doing something that is illegal, starts passing on the other side or something like that. Accident happen because the autonomous car just didn't, was not able to predict that the human will do something erratic. Totally illegal. Right, human intervention, yeah. <laughs> right, because it, it will only do what it's programmed to do. But in, in most cases, from what I've read at least, we'll stay on cars for a second, automated driving is much safer than actually having humans drive. Absolutely. As it evolves. So in most cases, it's better. Do we ever get to a point where... Yeah, the, the the automated driving capability of cars it, it's programmed by by humans right humans are putting in the logic the the logic that defines what decisions the car will make the weighting if you will do we ever yeah. get to a point where the car is actually thinking at the human level or exactly. beyond Exactly. Or that we trust that it you. is. Isn't that also where the trust piece comes in? That we actually, you know, we believe that we're all at the same level. Right, right, right. From so, intelligence. So it goes back to the definition of intelligence as ability to learn. Now, once you create that ability to learn, then that machine can learn. And the moment it starts learning, it can learn the good things, mm -hmm. it can learn the bad things. And it'll continue learning based on what it experiences. Okay, now, so for, for, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So l let's take this back to cybersecurity then. Mm -hmm. How do we apply the same concepts in the cybersecurity world? I'm, I'm glad you asked that. Um, this, this is the tough question. Um, very recently, I'll jump into, to, to, I think, uh, the core of it. We look at the specific cyber problems, actually very well-known cyber problems, and we apply state-of-the-art deep learning, machine learning techniques, and show that using different techniques, very different techniques, we can achieve near-perfect results. In other words, using different techniques, we can solve the problem. That's just, this is what, what in research we've been doing for decades, right? But what we've been looking at very recently, the last five years or so, is was that decision made for the right reasons? And in our mathematical world, it, it boils down to some dimensions. You're looking at some feature of a packet, you're looking at some another feature of a packet and so on, right? Okay. If you look at some features, you will make a correct decision. 
if you look at some other features, you may make correct decision as well. The problem is tomorrow, the attack is not going to follow the predefined mm-hmm. path. It will be different. And then some algorithms will fail and some others won't fail. And I, I think we can easily translate into how we as humans um, deal with everyday problems. We may all be right about some decision, but for different reasons that may be emotional, that may be political, that might be societal, we may agree on something. That doesn't mean that the path we reached that decision was right. So the question is, did we make a right decision for right reasons? Interesting. So as we, so, as, oh, go ahead, Eric, I'll give you the, after you, Eric, Eric go ahead. <laughs> um, and now we're, we're coming to the end. Yeah. We're, well, I was just going to ask you in, in terms of how you, what you foresee in, in the future. I mean, it seems like there's so much obviously that will happen on the, the technology side, but also there's so much that has to happen on the, the human side. How, what, what's your prediction in terms of, you know, five, 10, 15 years where, where we will see this all evolve, especially in the context yes. of cybersecurity. So I was at a panel um, uh, just last week, uh, it was panel of safe and secure AI, and, and that question was, was raised, and I said, I cannot predict five, ten years. Mm-hmm. I will try to predict maybe a year ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, there's, there's two things. Um, computer science, electric engineers, um, this problem went way out of, out of our domain. We have to include um, human factors, we have to include um, um, a science on how humans make decisions and, and try to learn from that. We'll have to figure out how to quantify what's a, what's a good decision for good reasons. We'll have to figure out ex- uh, explainable, uh, trustful intelligence. We'll have to figure out h- how to define what, what explanation what what level of explanation is sufficient for us to accept machine as as part of our as peer in everyday life um and i think uh, a, a very important aspect of technology which is a little bit more predictable is miniaturization iot um we were doing the heavy duty algorithms we were deploying on GPU units, expensive servers, and it's moving to a very small footprint um, uh, devices, um, uh, devices that will be part of our phones, that will be part of our hearing aids, that will be everywhere. So I think uh, uh, both technology, hardware and software will evolve, but the human will be um, uh, probably become one of the dominant aspects in 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 very near future. Interesting. So, yeah, Eric, I'll take a stab at that. I, th- I think within five years, certainly ten, a, a large number of the cars we've talked about today will be driving themselves autonomous driving. I can't wait for on that. The, <laughs> it, I mean, nor can I. But on, on the cyber side, I predict we'll be certainly no better off than we are now. Probably worse off. And I think. Mm. From my perspective, one of the differences with autonomous driving, we're trying to do something for the good. We're trying to to automate something to make the world better, to make life easier. On the cybersecurity side, we have humans that are still fighting us, Mm -hmm. that are trying to do you know, nefarious activity, whatever it may be. And I think it's a different problem. It's a more complicated problem and one 
we, we need this type of science and, and research to help us solve. But I don't know that we're there in 10 years. Well, in the world of uh, uh, everything, talking to everything, um, this, this enormous connectivity, cyber is going to be a big part of, of autonomous vehicles as well. Oh, yeah. Great point, right? So now we know how to drive safely until the human inserts themselves again and says, <laughs> I want to create problems in that capability. Well, so, or just so the that, hacking of the car. Great, be, so. That's exactly yeah. what we're talking about, be, right? Because there is an article the other day that the um, the electronic scooters are now being hacked. So it's it's fascinating. Well, Could you imagine <laughs> down the street at 30 miles an hour on a scooter and somebody hits the brakes on you? That would be a bad day. Well, it's always uh, uh, this this uh, 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 balance that is very difficult to strike between many uh, vendors and manufacturers that want to sell a device that's easy to start using. You don't want to spend three hours setting it up. But if you just start using it uh, without security embedded into it in some way, and if you don't put simple example, if, if you just select a very, very easy password, no technology can 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 help you. It can remind you. It can mm-hmm. force you. But but you can still override it like we're trying to override um, autonomous cars that are apparently or obviously way more advanced than we are. No, that's so a have, great. We have to learn to live with this and accept. Uh, uh, but how to accept something you don't understand? That's that's all as as human race. I'll I'll mention something. I just got an email this morning. Um, our preprint uh, article on ResearchGate was uh, the most uh, read article at whole uh, VCU, and the I'll I'll read you the title: Explaining what a neural network has learned toward transparent classification. This this is what we are trying to figure mm-hmm. out: how to make these algorithms transparent to humans. Mm. Well, sounds like we have so a ways to go. So, thank you so much, um, Professor Manik, for joining us this week on on the podcast. The work that you're doing is, is certainly fascinating, and I, I think in whatever context, be it automated cars or cybersecurity, I mean AI, um, it, it will be just interesting to see how it transformed um, uh, technology in the digital age. It Thank makes you, you think. Yeah. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be with you. Uh, exciting chat. <laughs> thanks. Thanks so much. And thanks to all of our listeners this week. Please continue to uh, to tune in and uh, please give us a rating on iTunes as well as subscribe to the podcast. Thanks. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store 